Hello, welcome to another episode of the podcast. I must tell you, I asked my dog to join me in the room before I started this recording. Now, there's a little bit of thunder and she doesn't like thunder, especially the song by Imagine Dragons. Now, she likes the song and she doesn't like the act of nature. She was a little scared, so I asked her to join me because she likes to be around someone she trusts. I don't know if she trusts me, but she likes to be around someone when there's thunder and lightning. And I asked her to come in and she's like, nah. And she, it's, she's so silly, dude. She's at the door, at the entrance. I said, come in. And I try to pull her in, which I suppose some people be like, don't pull her. Don't coerce her. Let her come off her own volition. I'm like, dude, just come in. I need to start recording. And she's like, no, no, no. She's going back and pulling her. And then I close the door. Now she's like, trying. I said, if you start scratching at the door, if you start making noise during the recording, I'm going to be very upset. But she hasn't started doing it yet. So I just wanted to tell you that. Anyhow, it's been an interesting Week, weeks. It's weird when I do um, the this introduction a little earlier than the release of this episode because I kind of have to preempt when this is coming out and kind of make up for the time uh, between when I record and the release. But uh, this is going to be coming out if you're listening to this right now on somewhere around the 20th of May, um, 2099. Mm. But uh, been a brilliant couple of weeks. I've got a lot of... Uh, <sighs> My heart is full of joy. And uh, yeah, I want to do an episode about uh, what and why I'm feeling like this. Because hey guys, I became a father. How cool is that? And um, I don't know. I want to... I don't know what I'm feeling. It's just amazing. Um, it's such a great uh, sense of... I don't know what it is. And I really don't want to kind of dramatize it at the same time, not do justice to the feeling because it's something a lot of people will tell you that, oh, it's once in a lifetime feeling. You can't put words to it. And I really can't put words to it. But I, I think I want to just sort of understand, you know, the whole buildup of my wife and I uh, going through this, uh, expecting this little baby and then the whole sort of idea of the birth and then this this thing of labor and man first of all women all women fucking respect dude you guys are made of something which is truly something else i don't think any man should even come close to commenting on your body i don't think any guy has a fucking right to tell you what to do with your body because Whoa, respect. And it's just amazing to understand all these things, man. I don't know. I don't have any take on it yet. I just need to process and internalize it a little longer. But I'm just so thrilled that I have this little baby. Uh, we, My wife and I, uh, we have a baby girl. And we're extremely thrilled that she's with us. And um, yeah, I just want to process all these emotions. And I want to, you know, at points... It's the, the mundane kicks in, right? The ego and the interference from other people, their comments, their advice, and what to do, what not to do. They're like, oh, is that the name? Is this not the name? Et cetera, et cetera. So I want to, I'll tell you on next week's episode, I'll take you through what I'm feeling. Um, but I, I don't know exactly what I'm feeling. I know I'm feeling really thrilled. I'm feeling really, really something deeper than I've felt in a long time. And every time I kind of come back to the ordinary and just go like, oh, the petty mundane worries. I'm like, wait a second, you fucker. You have a child. And it's re it really does just take you back from 
uh, this stuff that you tend to get caught up in, which is so trivial, which is so unimportant, which is the stuff about the mind telling you that, oh, someone's wronged you, you can do better, you shouldn't have done this. It just seems so inconsequential when you're, when you're kind of place it against something which is so much beyond you, even though it's as a result of your wanting this life to come into your life. And it's just crazy because you kind of put something so beyond you within this framework of expectations, which is created by society, which is created by these conditions placed on you. And I don't know if that's the right framework, because of course, this this beautiful life, of course, I have more bias because it's my child. And I have all these expect, I, I mean, I have all this love, but at the same time, I'm just another human being who's confined and who's shaped by what I um, experience, by the circumstances I've been raised in, by the situation I live in, by the people and the frameworks around me. So I'm just trying to make sense of something so powerful, so divine, if you want to call it, of something so ancient, something so beautiful, like life being born. And at the same time, while I'm trying to be a parent who gives without expectation and tries to sort of think through this entire process without having a bias of projecting my insecurities, all these things on the side of all the mundane are such ego-based stuff. And then the other side, so I'm just, I'm just overwhelmed with, I think the most amazing emotion, which is thing is just that, wow, okay, let's just look at this beautiful life and it's literally it's literally by words a human being fair enough it's a baby child i suppose those are words we use but if you just look at it beyond any of these definitions and these words this is just a being which is of course it's got certain genetic codes it's got certain things which have come from us but beyond that it is something so ancient, so pure. And there's something magical in that idea alone that we try to project all our learnings and the man-made discoveries and the man-made understanding of our environment and our universe onto these concepts. But I think we should just take a moment to sit back and say we don't have to get... We might understand the idea of birth. We might understand the idea of a child uh, coming from an embryo and the various processes and the millions and billions of cells that are created. Fair enough. Brilliant. I'm glad we've achieved that kind of understanding. But if you look beyond all of that, just truly something spectacular. And and I'm just amazed, right? I, I really don't have words to explain what I'm feeling. But one thing I do sometimes right now, I'm just like, oh man, because a moment I sit with my, 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 my baby and I, I'm just in awe and then I come out and then I'm just, you know, slammed back into reality. I'm just sitting in traffic. I'm sitting with people who are yelling at each other. There are, every time you open a news app, it's just more horrific shit, like a journalist being uh, killed and then her funeral being um, completely sort of derailed by police forces. Then you have the other things where you have some, some stupid celebrity trial. Then you have some other stuff where the people and kids being bombed in Ukraine. It's just like, what are we supposed to do? Because you kind of literally just look in to the crib and you're like, my God, this pure life. And of course, there's so many parents around the world. There's so many, from human beings, of course, because we're so-called sentient, we so-called have the most understanding of our environment, but newborn life everywhere around us. And then you have this. 
so just it's just truly one of those moments which is um sorry if i'm not communicating my feelings clearly but i'm just truly uh i think thankful and i'm just so excited and at the same time i'm a little nervous with what can i do as a guide as a protector as a father as a friend so there's so many things to understand and to kind of look at without projecting my fears without putting forth my biases putting forth my insecurities kind of saying oh you know you got to do this because i couldn't and at the same time be someone who could just steer the person with the inf- information that you have without kind of putting filters that suit you and it's it's so many things but i'm just i'm just excited i'm ext- extremely happy extremely excited i'm ext- extremely thankful and i'm extremely in awe of life and women i salute all of you the ones you ones of you who've had kids i think you know exactly why and the ones of you who will uh, the ones of you the, 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 what am i what's wrong with me clearly words are not flowing well but the, but those of you who will have kids i think um truly this is something i can communicate this whole concept of feminism right is really become something which is ugly which is become something militant it's become male hating right it's like oh we are going to prove a point to the fucking man and i suppose there is a reason for that which is this sense of many or some or all i don't know i can't i can't speak as a woman feeling this sense of oppression feeling the sense of wrong and i get it it's an automatic knee jerk reaction when you are when you're discriminated against you kind of fucking fight back but i think what i feel and of course i'm not a woman before you fucking bite my head off there's this beauty of being a woman which no man can take away right which is this idea of having so much strength and having so much empathy having so much love having this ability to create life and a lot of that's been taken away by this messaging saying you got to fucking wear a pantsuit and go work and fuck your this thing and and i'm like why take away something so amazing why politicize a woman's body politicize a woman's i mean a woman's power a power to give birth to a life is so amazing and why you why you even comparing that to a job or comparing that saying it's either this or either that because if you can if you can have a child then you can't work and then the man takes you like fuck why are we going down that petty path i understand there's a lot of anger there's a lot of fucking rage but man i think we can work this out because there really is something women should take back from this narrative is dude it's your body it's your power it's truly your power to and you're truly your honor your privilege whatever you call it to give birth to a life and i think that is the power of feminism right it's not not this shit of ceo cfo glassy okay those things are there but those things become a very sort of they spiral out of control they become a very petty they become a very you versus i become a very ego based conversation for people who are just fucking pissed off for fucking intellect so called people who just have nothing else to do well like ah fucking i'm not going to have a child because i believe in the power of my fuck do, do what the fuck you want but don't 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 demean other women and don't put them down for saying oh oh mega like, like if they want to have a child i think that's the truest power and i think i know some women who might not have a label a position of a job which gets a high paying salary but man my mom she she has two two kids that's my sister and i 
she, she doesn't she's never had a so-called designated job she hasn't got a job title she hasn't got a resume but man the amount she's done and i'm sure everyone listening right now has either a mother or a sister or an aunt or grandmother who might not be a conventional 20 21st century feminist in that sense of the definition but they've done so much they've held families together they've supported the role of caregiver of homemaker of advisor of counselor of therapist of volunteer for social worker there's so much and and needless to say they fucking keep you fed they keep you they keep you 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 have someone to come home to you know how important that shit is they, they that's the unit that is keeping you grounded in life and it's being run by this boss person if you want to call that word in, from the corporate world this human being who's keeping that entire thing going and keeping that entire functioning system which you can rely on which you look back on which you're trying to recreate and which keeps you completely aware of who you are and we don't appreciate that and you go to work and lick some fucking ceo's cock like i mean what the fuck are we even being told to do man it's ridiculous and i don't know i'm just being very sort of raw here i'm sorry if it's um if it's a bit much but i i'm just truly blown away by um where i am today and i'm just really thankful for um everything i have and yeah i will i will talk about it more at length in the next episode um but before that hey let's not digress too much because i got a fantastic guest on today's episode um it's a well He's a friend of mine we go back a long way we were in school together his name is Mr Varun Ravindra he is someone who has had a very interesting journey from the the the, the a stint in the corporate world of finance i think he's a ca or cpa i get confused between the two fucking what's the difference the, what is the p for i don't get like professional i don't know i know it's some something certified professional audit i don't know but he he it's it's a nice it's it's a very interesting story what uh, varun's been through because he did that uh which was expected of him but he's also been influenced by his dad um and his mom who have and his dad especially in this particular context because his dad has this love for farming and the sort of restorative practices in farming and um his mom's a doctor and how those kind of values and that kind of influence shaped him into taking decisions which weren't what his peers and people around him and us were doing and how that kind of one thing led to another uh, experimental sort of projects from organic farming to then looking at how we have um practices which have stripped land of nutrients and nutrition and having them left bare and um basically toxic and dead and how to look at uh practices maybe or opportunities bringing people together to restore these pieces of land and as a result understand the entire underground network of soil of the microbiome that exists in the soil of course because soil is the microbiome that lives with it within it and all these various connections that you find between the soil and your entire experience as a human being and for all other beings as well so the entire conversation uh, is is really really fun really interesting because varun and i uh, kind of just really had a 
interesting chat about what things are when it comes to farming, when it comes to agriculture, when it comes to practices within the space and the entire idea of deforestation, the idea of trees, the idea of greenery, green cover, flora, fauna, blah, blah, blah. Some words, you know, of course, are used, which I'm not really sure what, what they mean. But overall, Varun's doing some great work. Um, him and a few people, uh, they run the project called Varantara. The details are in the description. You can reach out to him either by going, um, I think, to the Instagram page, to the links which are in the description, or you can reach out to me and I can put you in touch with him. Having said that, you can reach out to me on S-O-A-P-Y-R-A-O-S-H-O-W. That's Show at gmail.com. Uh, do share this episode if you like it or if you don't like it or whatever you feel with anyone you like, with anyone you don't like, with your dogs, with whoever you feel like. So having said that, let's get into the conversation with Mr. Varun Ravindra. And as always, I appreciate you listening to this podcast, my friends. Thank you. Goodbye. God bless. Take care of yourselves. Cheers. Mr. Varun Ravindra, welcome to the Sopi Rao Show. Never thought um, we would be here uh, without a drink chatting. <laughs> <laughs> Morning, Sopi. It's, it's, it's always good to talk to you. How's it going, uh, with, man? With uh, the drink or otherwise? Uh, with, yeah, I think nowadays uh, it would be a little problematic on a Monday morning recording this. <laughs> <laughs> but how are you, bro? Uh, it's, uh, we've been chatting on and off, but it's been yeah. ages since we actually met and hung out and... Uh, I think you have been quite, uh, I think you and Nirupa, your wife, have been quite engaged in a lot of these new um, activities, which are quite uh, cool. I think you've been doing this, uh, what's it called? Is it called a triathlon? Is it called Half Ironman? What's the format called? Yeah, so they're all, the, 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 the general, the broad terminology is triathlons. Okay. And in that you have uh, different distances. So then it gets classified as sprint, Olympic, half and the full, uh, mm. the full Ironman. Yeah, but I've been, I've been all right. And uh, those events have been fun last few months. So did you guys get into it just to do it as a family, kind of travel together? Or was it like a health goal? Or was it like a... Because a lot of these things um, are kind of cropping up, right? A lot of people are doing it. They kind of, especially in our sort of age group in the late 30s, early 40s, yeah. people are like, yeah. oh, is it kind of... I don't know, was it... You, I mean, the people you meet as a result of uh, doing these things, are they... Kind of like, do you find a common mindset amongst all of you, or is it some people doing it to prove to someone, or some people doing it for social media attention, or some people doing it to get their health back in order, some people doing it to get away from the the, the corporate noise? So, so what are some of the things you're observing? Um, I mean, I'll, I, you had a couple of questions there, so I'll I'll, I'll address all of them. I think the, yeah, the yeah. first one was how, how did how did we get into it, and why was it a was it a family thing, or or mm. what drove it, and. Uh, Honestly, it was Nirupa who first got into it. You know, she got mm. into it a couple of years ago uh, after we had uh, our first baby, Tara. Right. Uh, and for her, I think it was uh, it was a way to to break the monotony of the the typical uh, exercise routine and also, uh, you know, which was uh, restricted to primarily the gym and yoga and yeah. and to the, and and to to actually use your body once you've. Uh, developed it right because yeah. oftentimes when you do all of that strength training and all of that flexibility you don't go on to use uh, use all of that ability yeah so, yeah. so doing a triathlon is, is a really nice way of uh, of being able to to do that and uh, it's fairly demanding as well as you keep pushing the distances so 
Uh, yeah, you almost see like it. the end. You see like, okay, this is what I put into my body. Let's see what it can do. It's kind of like the input and the output yeah. uh, uh, measurement. Yeah, that's yeah. quite a nice um, test against yourself, right? Yeah, and and I think you know it, it's one of those things where uh, you you get feedback very quickly, right? Any mm. anything else you do in life, which is uh, which primarily our lives revolve around a work day, it, yeah. it takes much longer to to see results. Mm. Uh, whereas whereas there's, there's just something so raw and gladiator-like about any endurance-based sport that, yeah. that appeals to to human nature, right? That, that's mm. why the, that's also why we love sport because it just tests physical ability. So I think uh, sometimes doing these things and you you work for three months, four months, five months, and you you're able to see how far you've come. Uh, yeah. It's one of those things where you actually get fairly immediate feedback to that extent. So I think mm. there's so many reasons why it's appealing, uh, and. Uh, for me, it was a function of actually being around her that that this grew on me. You know, I've always yeah. liked sport and movement, yeah. uh, but I definitely didn't have the uh, the inclination to to plan an event and train for it and go to Dubai and wake up at four in the morning and swim in the ocean. Uh, it definitely wouldn't have been on my agenda. Right? I mean, it would have, but it would been like but, after a night getting hammered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then I would the have starting been, point would have been like 7 p.m. and then this would be the ending point, but you started at 4 a.m. which is No, it's quite a thing, man, you know, because as you said, right, it's, uh, I think we've kind of been active through school. We've done some sport or the other, right? Whether it was, um, you know, our enforced PT classes to even some track. You and I were in the track kind of yeah. in, our, in the same yeah. house in school and yeah. we would do some running races yeah. and it wasn't really like a proper sports pro- program. None of us did uh, any training at all. Literally, sports Absolutely. day was five days a day. We would just literally, you know, take off our shoes and run on the road. Like that's how much we prepared for it. <laughs> yeah. and, but it's quite must be quite... Um, an interesting thing because you know i met a couple of people who are who train olympic athletes right and they basically have the entire team from physical trainers to nutritionists to psychologists to so it's quite and even you 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 kind of see it in in the in the western world where people have an entire entourage of sort of things that go along with a particular thing but now it's i mean it's, i wouldn't say now in the past year but in the past decade maybe that's being introduced with indian athletes getting that kind of support but yeah. for you, you obviously had some help. Well, I think Nirupa had gone with, a, I think, uh, a trainer who helped her prepare for this. But I think just from your experience, what what's the kind of, um, I think, reward system maybe one thing, I mean, uh, that you kind of work towards. But also, the how do you convince yourself that, okay, you know, I'll do it because it's fun, but also to get yourself into that space. Uh, what's the kind of uh, approach you used? See, for me, I, I, I don't. I mean, honestly, I, I, I'm sort of an accidental triathlete in, in some sense, right? Because mm. this was never my goal. Uh, for, for, you know, uh, Nirupa was into it, and as a function of that, I think uh, a lot of friends also got into it. Mm. Uh, and I was around a lot of people who were extremely enthused about doing this. Uh, mm. And and it was a situation where you know, if 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 anywhere a large group of friends was going to do this event. Uh, I think I always had the baseline level of fitness to to do it. Mm. So, uh, so I, I, in a sense, I kind of uh, with the word thirty days training just showed up for this thing and 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 did it on on both occasions. You know, the, the Olympic and the and and the and the half Ironman, which uh, which I did as a relay format with a friend of mine. So I never really mm. uh, went through the process of really 
grinding it out and having mm. to motivate myself uh, as much as some of these folks did because for me it was just about participating and uh, and enjoying the the feel of it so you know uh, yeah uh, so i recall even when when we did the first uh, uh, olympic distance uh, in croatia that was you know maybe 50 days of training that i had so sorry what's the difference between a half ironman and uh, olympic olympic so yeah. the olympic is a one and a half kilometer swim okay uh, followed by a 40 kilometer bike ride followed okay. by a 10 kilometer run so that's like the baby that's the baby format the, kind of the, the one before that is a sprint which is uh, half of that distance okay. so the so first one is the sprint mm-hmm. okay which is a 750 meter swim uh, followed by a 20k bike ride and a 5k run okay. then the distance doubles to one and a half kilometer swim mm-hmm. uh, the 40 uh, a 40k bike and a 10k run and the mm. half is a 1.9 kilometer swim mm. uh, it's a roughly about a 90k bike ride Whoa, uh, okay. followed by a half marathon 21 kilometer run so it's mm. it's so the half marathon is is fairly fairly intense because it's about uh, even for someone who's doing at a, a decent pace it's, it's above 6 hours right the whole uh, thing of, the whole thing of, of, right. of continuous movement um, but i but but for me because it was more about just participating and being there and getting to the finish line right i yeah. I, i kind of was able to i think Uh, take it in a little bit more like when we were in Croatia and we were cycling I mean I was actually looking around at the olive fields and and, mm. uh, and the vineyards and you know it's it's beautiful scenery which yeah. which uh, uh, and you can actually uh, smile at all the people who are cheering you on uh, mm. uh, who have boards saying uh, you know smile you paid for this uh, it's quite <laughs> it's, it's cute you know yeah um, yeah yeah uh, but I always am uh, fascinated by those people man because it takes one <laughs> thing to show up for the event because you've trained and you've paid or whatever yeah. and also the motivations are different I want to talk about that and also come back to the questions I asked you earlier yeah. but yeah. I mean I always in fact by those people how i mean committed are they to supporting some strangers right like i mean i understand if it's, it's your amazing party. it's yeah, amazing I mean, yeah how bored yeah. are they like i'm like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like well, well the thing is because of these events go through uh, either a route where there's a cafe or there's a beach it's not uh-huh. necessarily like they're coming and you know stopping in the middle of nowhere these guys are actually just there to sunbathe and uh, you know then they figure if you're going to be sunbathing anyway might as well have some uh, fun yeah. at someone else's expense or or yeah, yeah. just drink I mean, a coffee I mean many of the sweet i don't think anyone's yeah. there with yeah. the intention of putting no that's it's going, amazing yeah. it's amazing yeah. like the you you really uh, you have to give it up to those guys you know because they are yeah. so encouraging they're clapping for you and they're telling you come on you can do it it's nice it's it's, a, it's yeah it's, it, it must be especially when you're in this in that thing and you're trying to yeah. push yourself whether it's to win yeah. or to just finish it yeah. you're yeah. already like i mean do it i don't know what it is because i think you kind of go into a different space in your mind when you're crossing even like a 15k run because you're already as you said moving continuously for 2 3 plus hours it must be a different yeah. zone you're not like um, yeah. in a 30 40 minute intense hiit yeah. workout or something it's just yeah. a different uh, zone so it must be quite cool yeah. so i, it's, I mean it's, it's, sorry, it's great so i'll, I'll answer two, two questions of yours which which came to mind you know one was yeah. uh, this one specifically uh, about uh, which also goes on to your previous one about what what do you say to yourself to to do these things while yeah. and, and before uh and i think i think for many people w- one is when when you've trained for it for a long time just just the idea of finishing and and reaching that finish line itself is a big motivation right mm. uh because it's 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 the finale of a six seven months of of effort you know yeah. twice a day workouts etc uh and uh but but specifically on on the event right i i i I'm, the dialogue that you have to go through to keep uh 
pushing yourself uh, i can only tell you about mine and i, I think everyone's perhaps a slight take on this you you just have to keep convincing yourself that that the distance and the time is not as much as uh, as 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 it seems you know like mm. i because i because i this for me i my when i did both of them my heart rate hadn't settled down as much as it should have post covid so i had to go at perhaps a slightly easier pace than than i would have liked to um mm. uh but the conversation was sort of you know like when you finished the the, the 3k uh, i hadn't trained for the run so when you finish right. the 3k you you tell yourself okay i just have seven more 3k's right and yeah. when you finish the 5k you say i just have four more 5k's and when you hit the 10k you just say i just have one more 10k to go and then you just make the the obstacle seem easier and easier as mm. as you as you go closer to it uh mm. you know uh, the only point i kind of was a little uh, disheartened was uh, when i finished at the, the 12k uh, and i was like okay now i'm over the halfway mark uh, and i looked at my my time and uh, i was by then i'd slowed down to almost like a 9 9 minute pace for the mm. kilometer and i was like all right okay uh, just nine more kilometers to go and then it struck me 9 9 kilometers at, at at a 9 minute pace was 81 more minutes And, yeah, yeah and then i was like oh okay you know and then yeah. suddenly i started feeling the cramps and everything just because you 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 snapped out of that zone where you've made the obstacle yeah. seem easier than it is right you've uh, kind of raised the expectation yeah, and yeah. the burden of finishing yeah. right yeah so mm. so it's always about just making it seem easier than it is and i think that that helps to just keep going uh right but 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 i i, I think everyone's motivation is slightly different print uh, on this as 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 it has to be uh, but yeah. i think for, i think for many people that you know they they're looking for for a challenge right uh, yeah i know it's very interesting the motivation because i met this guy who does a ultra marathon basically he runs from it was in bangalore a couple of years back at the stadium which is the center for sort of athletics the kantiraba stadium yeah. he did a 100 i think 8 hour or sorry 8 pm to 8 am or something So I asked him what goes through your mind he said I just do calculations I do formulas. Yeah. And I said okay. Yeah. No it did whatever it takes yeah. like I remember when I was when I was really tired I started step counting right because mm-hmm. for my cadence was about 1500 steps to the kilometer. Okay. So you just keep counting 1 to 1500 and and that that just keeps your mind on the process. Mm-hmm. You know you 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 get into process orientation and stop thinking about what your body is going through. and when it when 1500 seem too much then i broke it down into 150 because every 150 steps was a 100 you meters right so right. so yeah. you restart so you yeah so i think everyone has some kind of variation of that mm. uh, but what i found most beautiful was that you know at, at one point my hamstring started cramping mm. uh and uh and there was a long way to go and yeah. at that point i was able to convince myself that okay i'm i tell my body to stop loading my hamstrings and move move the load onto my quadriceps and my calves right mm-hmm. uh and uh i don't know how much of it was a placebo effect but it allowed me to keep going because i didn't feel the cramps on my hamstrings anymore so that mind body connection also that you're able to achieve you know in these endurance sports is uh, is quite special yeah it's it's amazing um how you know and i think a lot of these situations from what you're what you're speaking about to any anything right like whether it's relocating to a different country it's kind of this mind body uh breath if you want to bring into that aspect of uh, uh, of of living how we are able to sort of um 
convince ourselves and push ourselves as a result you know whether it's low you know allocating resources whether it's telling yourself just a little farther or it's the mental motivation of why i'm doing this it's quite brilliant how the body is able to adapt when the mind is uh, okay with it and yeah. and and similarly when the mind says no you can be um and especially in today's climate of people struggling with depression anxiety and these things when the mind is not in a state which it's able to cope with the environment then even the most physically fit body just gives up yeah. and you have a result of all these situations where we have like uncontrolled stress levels we have people in an our age group suffering cardiac issues so it's really amazing how the flip is so uh drastic but the positive mindset or if you want to call it the enduring mindset is able to take the body through a lot more because i think you'll admit that you're not like an a class athlete you're you're fit but you're not like trained to be yeah. an olympian so it's amazing how you're able to do this which is quite um and i think quite quite a cool um sort of test for yourself right yeah i yeah i think that's pretty much what it is right you you the ability for the mind to communicate uh, appropriately to keep keep doing what needs to be done yeah yeah and and also to 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 answer that question of what, what what i see uh, among the people in in this community i think mm-hmm. i think one is uh, you know every all of these folks typically tend to be you know uh, closer to 40 right so yeah. so they've 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 gone through uh, a few journeys uh, in life and I, i think everyone is everyone is always craving for a little bit of adventure mm. you know uh, and and this is in many ways a safe adventure where yeah. uh, uh, and and then you get to meet a lot of people who you know it you it's it's increasingly rare as you grow older to find people who are on the same wavelength on the same page with the same interests you know like when because everyone's uh you bond only over shared experiences right uh yeah. that's why the camaraderie in school and in college can't be repeated because uh, once you get into work life everyone's has a different day you know whereas mm-hmm. in school everyone has the same routine and the same day so it's easier to to bond over a shared uh, space and shared experience and i think that's what tends to happen uh, when when you do these uh, amateur triathlete events you know everyone has some sort of a similar take on on how they are feeling uh, after after a run or a swim and 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 what what each of them is doing to fuel themselves uh, nourish themselves motivate themselves so so mm. the camaraderie is also something I, that i think encourages uh, encourages the community No absolutely because i think what happens is you kind of as get as you get older i think you tend to sort of stick to familiar relationships right and you rely on those saying oh no my old friends my school friends my college friends or my neighborhood friends whatever the the older things are which need not necessarily be healthy for you because as you um as you prevent yourself from changing uh your outlook or rather you might be changing already but you don't want to tell yourself that your friendships might change because you're scared of the unknown that if this network of friends goes what is the new set of relationships hold for me and this could be whether it's with family or friends and we kind of just get stuck in that way of thinking and the next thing you know you're, you're not sort of really tell, giving yourself a chance to get out of that uh thing because you know this sort of leads me to talking about what you've done with your um 
projects which you're sort of involved with right now. Of course, I think this this idea of changing and kind of keeping fluid is so important because what happens otherwise you're like, yeah, you know, you just sort of get stuck with the same conversations, you get stuck with the same way of looking at things and we end up almost becoming 50-year-old kids who have emotional maturity of sixth standard or whatever, right? Because we, 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 we don't, we're so scared of breaking out of that pattern of, the way we look at friends or relationships that we don't really grow up at the end of the day in a very simple way. So you went through that change uh, from doing the prescribed things of having a typical corporate job, of having, as you said, the Monday to Friday, the corporate work week, the corporate talk, the money talk, the savings talk, the friendships which are revolving around that. But then can you just sort of t- talk me through where uh, your influences sort of were with this and what you were looking at getting out of your career? And maybe from there, we'll move on to what you're doing now. Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, just to help create the right uh, context and background for, for the audience, because you know me so well, you know this, uh, many parts of this story. Yeah. Uh, so my my qualification was as a chartered accountant, mm. you know, and and uh, I, I did uh, pursue that role at Deloitte. Which, okay. which is a, a great organization to work for. Uh, and even when I got into, uh, you know, early on into my role as, as a chartered accountant, I, I think I kind of had a sense that this wouldn't be something I would pursue for the rest of my life. You know? It was mm. the natural progression of the educational path that I had taken, which was commerce. Mm. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, chartered accountancy was perhaps one of the... Uh, you know the the logical conclusions to a good degree coming out of that background. Yeah. Um, and I knew so. So when I got into it, I was doing it for the learning. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily think I would be pursuing a career as a chartered accountant. Um, and uh, so I think the, that lens itself changed how I spent those years uh, in the corporate world. You know, because everything right. everything was about okay, what can I learn from this, and what can I take away and apply later on. Um, right. So not um, so much an outcome of where will I be in this job in five years? Will I have yeah. hit that peak position, the pinnacle yeah. of what is expected? Yeah. But it was more like, let's use this time to understand what are the various things that are involved in this job or in this yeah. environment, right? Yeah. 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 And, and you know, my, my father's a doctor, but he had chosen to uh, move back to India uh, from Kuwait uh, okay. because he wanted to get into agriculture and farming you know, he was very mm. passionate about nature uh, oh, i don't know your dad's a doctor i, I, okay, yeah. I thought he was uh, always in this space i i didn't know that he was because your yeah. mom's uh still practicing right she's a doctor she is she is right? yeah she is yeah um so uh he was you know he read the one star revolution which is an incredible book on uh, on farming and very philosophical as well mm. and he was very moved by it and i think that uh i think that was also one of the large motivating factors for him to move back and, uh, you know, start his own journey because uh, I think he must have been about 40 when he uh, decided he would also pursue uh, parallelly a, uh, uh, a sort of career or an occupation in agriculture. Mm. And and I, and I guess, you know, some of it is uh, just osmosis, right? When you're around a person who's passionate about something, yeah. uh, it's not that they necessarily have to educate you on on what they did that day or their learnings but but just seeing 
uh, how they are and what moves them. And, you know, so, uh, be, yeah. it, it, it could be just random things like we'd be driving on the road and you'd point out a tree and say, look at that tree. It's so beautiful, isn't it? Uh, and, yeah. and, you know, and it's stuff like that. That sense that you're of able fulfillment, to, right? The way yeah, they talk about yeah. a topic, the way they yeah, talk like, about. Yeah. Yeah. You you can see the magic in in things because they see it sometimes, you know, mm. uh, and and I and I'm sure I was naturally inclined, uh, you know, I, that it's, it's random anecdotes that I think about uh, uh, occasionally, which make me feel that there was there was this desire and interest early on, mm. and I think having a father who was all who was so passionate about, you know, uh, not only uh, trees and agriculture but even uh, animals. Uh, was 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 a bit of a complete picture in in the whole uh, nature and uh, environmental space. Mm. So, and while I was doing my child accountancy, there was uh, you know this was uh, uh, maybe two thousand six to nine. Mm. Uh, global warming was already something that you know was people were talking about. It had mm. become it had become a, it had started uh, becoming a serious issue. Mm. People were finally starting to to think about it in in a serious way and not ignoring it as as they had earlier mm. and that and it appealed to me to be part of uh part of a solution uh in what way i could you know? yeah uh, so while i was at deloitte you know that would manifest in the form of me switching off lights switching off people's monitors at the end of mm. the day uh you know trying to tell people if you inflate your tire you save five uh, percent of, of fuel you know i was mm-hmm. so i was I was reading about all of these things and trying to, t- to you know, do what I could from that sense. Yeah. Uh, and after I completed my child accountancy, you know, there was, I, I was certain I wouldn't pursue that because I, mm. uh, it, it wasn't my calling, you know, I think, uh, and also when you, uh, I realized it only much later when you read uh, Sapiens uh, mm. uh, and you realize this idea of imagined reality, uh, mm. you know, uh, the whole financial system uh, and the whole corporate system is just an imagined reality. It, it yeah, only, collective agreement yeah, and understanding that yeah, it, we're going it, to give this yeah, and recognize yeah, this as valuable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it only it only exists because we all agree that it exists, right? Yeah. Uh, and and I didn't see it that way, but I think that was that was in large parts why it wasn't fulfilling, you know, because yeah. it wasn't it wasn't real. Uh, and my job in ensuring that somebody was honest and not cheating the system yeah. uh, was perhaps for me not fulfilling enough to pursue that path. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's you're, you're kind of talking about how anti-fraud, prevent fraud kind of thing, right? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. almost like the system is designed to, you know, fuck itself, right? <laughs> because it's almost like you want people to go down that path and they go down it and there's more temptation, they make more. It's almost like the loophole is to, for them to stumble, right? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I know... I, I guess that's how humanity has played out for centuries. So I guess yeah. it's just a, it's just a flaw. Uh, yeah. And, you know, people have recognized it and tried to uh, contain it. Uh, yeah. But it wasn't my calling. You know, I, I didn't no, see absolutely. myself. Absolutely, just being the, the idea seems, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's bizarre that, yeah, that, that so it's happened so many times and continues to. Uh, yeah. But, but. But nature was uh, fascinating. You know? I think I, by that point, I was interested in in the idea of being part of the solution uh, for something much larger than myself. Mm. Uh, and I think, I, I think that perhaps was was key in many ways. You know, uh, trying to do something that was more than just about me uh, and 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 the money I make, uh, but more about you know the, the planet, uh, you know, and creating. Uh, 
ecosystems that that would survive right so so how do you okay so your dad had a farm he still has a farm and yeah. so you spend a lot of time there because a lot of these things seem romantic right everyone wants to do their part at least uh they want to be seen doing their part right like uh, yeah. uh, earth hour or earth day or uh, cycling instead of taking a thing or electric or i mean at least the conversations seem like you have to be seen like political correctness you have to be seen saying the right thing versus doing the right thing so similarly in this like or recycle or plastic but it seems like nothing is enough it's it's always that people will oh you know maybe the activists will say oh but how can you do this it's always like us versus them or the environment versus the corporate there's there's never seems to be a place where you can start where enough is uh, even something like oh you know what pat on the back you you didn't use uh, a plastic bag or you you picked up a little bit of litter from somewhere so how does someone i mean maybe you can just talk use your journey of getting away from the corporate world into this space as an example of how people can maybe start and because sometimes it just seems like such an uphill battle right like nothing is seems enough in this particular fight because for every plastic bag you pick up there is billions yeah. of oil being spilled into the ocean or um, yeah. there's people whaling indiscriminately killing dolphins or pilot whales so it, for me i face this thing right i mean i read i read an article where if we continue with this kind of what uh, increase in temperature uh we're going to have like 4% of marine life wiped out by 2035 or some some crazy number like that so you almost feel like me putting off the lights really going to help or me not using the ac is going to help like how does someone apply the reality of the problem to a practical solution in their own life yeah well there's a lot of questions loaded into that yeah i mean sorry uh, i ask a lot, a lot uh, more questions than i listen to yeah, answers yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, should, so, so for me when I so so for me when I got got into uh, organic farming initially and mm. which then moved into uh, now a forestation yeah uh, it was very simple right I had uh, I didn't have uh, responsibilities because I was not married uh, mm. I I had the I had the luxury of uh, taking a, a chance uh, to try to do something I believed in yeah. and and if I failed uh, I had a fairly fairly decent degree and i knew i could get a a, a job uh, at the end of it even even if if this dream didn't work out you know so yeah, yeah so i think having a fallback you know always makes it easier to to pursue something that you really believe in mm. um uh so so it made the decision easier but to be honest i, I don't ever think i would have been able to go back to a, a corporate uh system you know because it's just because the once you get a sense of the natural spaces it's sort of it's like coming home you know it's it's where we all began and we've moved so far away uh that uh, we don't realize it but when you spend enough time in natural spaces there's just a rhythm and an energy that just seeps into you and and and, mm. and you know that's where you're supposed to be and that's also why people love the beach and the mountains uh and all of these spaces because that's that's where life is uh, largely in balance the connections uh, a lot closer right yeah, right yeah. as opposed to uh, yeah so so for somebody making a big leap i think you know it's it's easier if if you you know if the downside risk is is mitigated right it, it mm. allows you to take that leap of faith and try to do something mm. uh as for the other question i think you know i don't i don't it's it's all a journey right you know you there's always somebody doing a little bit more than you are yeah. uh, and and it's like that you know it's like that old uh 
like that old story that we read in school where there's this girl picking up seashells and throwing it back into the sea mm. and the guy the guy tells her you know what 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 difference are you going to make and she says it made a difference to this one you know mm. and and sometimes that's all it is right is that that's you, greta thunberg right <laughs> yeah maybe 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 yeah she next generation and, they'll be saying it so yeah, yeah. Uh, you know but i think i think what what tends to happen is when you get agitated and you look at this from 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 a space of anger and sacrifice mm. it's a lot harder to make these things happen you know yeah. when when you say i'm not going to use the ac because it's going to save the planet and i'm going to put myself in discomfort mm. uh in this 44 degrees heat you, you you can't it it's not i mean it's it's very uh short term because you are going to re- rebound you know yes yeah, so yeah. you're going to have a kind of almost like a vengeful yeah. reaction yeah, saying, screw without this. realizing right yeah. there's yeah so it has to it has to come from a larger space right not from a space of sacrifice or a space of anger that uh, you know yeah. i'm i'm doing more than the other person is and yeah, mm. they should be doing more because it, it there's always going to be doing someone doing more than you you know and, and there's going to be on the other end of the spectrum someone who's absolutely irresponsible who leaves the tap open yeah. and goes out yeah. and, and you get yeah. absolutely furious when you see yeah. those things yeah. but yeah i think there's a lot of that going on what you just said right people doing it out of revenge or people doing it because oh my god the the, the politicians are miserable of course we know that but i think what you pointed out is really important that when you do that you can't sustain that feeling because that anger will burn you out i think i think i think unfortunately what what i what has happened is that uh, there's a lot of disconnect between in this situation action mm-hmm. and outcome or result right mm. uh you know you say global warming and and now you start feeling it in summer where you say temperatures are warming up right yeah. but until recently uh, you know you don't even in a place like bangalore it was it creeped up so suddenly that you didn't even realize it you know, yeah the effects it's of literally from one season right? to the next yeah. there's a significant yeah. spike yeah and 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 if you order uh, if you order and you throw away plastic uh or if you don't use plastic also there is no immediate result or outcome to any of your mm. actions right this Correct. is a very this is a very intangible space it's so, very invisible but the damage yeah, is very visible yeah, yeah. so yeah. so i think people you know like you you need to uh you need to find for for everyone they need to find a self of connectedness to this cause yeah. which goes beyond just saying i'm not going to use plastic and i'm not going to use uh the air conditioner and i'm going to cycle uh and breathe in this uh, horrible uh, smoke uh because it's the right thing to do because you don't get any satisfaction or immediate outcome from doing it you know uh, unless you're yeah. really motivated and you're able to convince yourself that i've done something really good uh which is certainly there's a small section of people that can do it for the larger majority there is no correlation between your sacrifice and the benefit to anyone or anything uh and then after no, some time it becomes a futile effort you know like it just becomes like okay anyway uh, nobody cares anyway uh, people are burning fossil fuels anyway there's we are in the middle of this third mass extinction so mm. screw it i'm just going to have a good time myself you know that's the thing which i've been thinking about right it's very easy to sit on your high horse as an individual and say oh no don't have more kids or and and or or, or don't consume single use plastic especially in a country like india where 90% of the people have never experienced this kind of luxury before the kind of spending power now which is coming as a result of globalization with a kind of expanding economy with more power of money middle class so imagine me yeah. going to a person who's never had three meals a day and now can because of fertilizers or mass agriculture or whatever the term is 
and a person who has access to a smartphone and swiggy and has a chance to have ice cream on demand and if i go tell them no you can't do this because the, the plastic being used by swiggy they'll just slap me and say dude screw you who are you to judge me right so which is which is a difficult situation in a country like india or china or africa where suddenly there's an emerging class of people who never had access to this or had an opportunity to even you know dream that it might be possible so yeah i mean the why is so important right because if i sit there and judge them it's not fair on them and it's not fair on me because i'm going to be yeah. frustrated after a point and say screw this man let's just join them if you can't beat them right yeah. so uh, it, it's it's a very interesting space and 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 you are uh, like even if you look at the other extreme like organic farming is the solution but if that's the case then you end up like sri lanka right now what's happening where there's ma- mass famine there's not enough food for the person so let's maybe go into the space now of using the indian subcontinent south asia where we can't obviously use models which are in the us or in europe where they might have certain technologies or they might have certain ways which are suitable for there so let's maybe talk about india with our scale of population with our very sort of unique yet large scale scenario which is going to affect the planet because if 1.8 billion people which possibly is our population start replicating an, a western way of consuming what's the kind of pressure because i just sort of read this somewhere recently where if if what we kind of do as india in the next 40 years is so crucial to the planet yeah i mean i think the you know the what we're talking about is a very top of the pyramid mindset mm. right and and also it's top of the pyramid and with the added element of being spiritual uh, along with it it's not mm-hmm. like everyone who's top of the pyramid and has all needs satisfied necessarily thinks uh, in terms of trying to alleviate global warming or or any of these causes right the global global warming is an example it could yeah. be poverty education or, or anything that's uh, beneficial to a larger uh, populace yeah. uh, so so it is tough because on the one hand anyone who has gotten to uh, to those heights has had to be very individualistic in pursuing mm. uh, in a very focused manner their own success yeah. and and then the expectation is now that you've arrived uh, you should think about the larger good right mm. it's it's a it's a paradigm shift yeah. uh, which perhaps not everyone is able to necessarily make as as easily or effortlessly um and i think that in many ways that is part of the problem yeah uh, that you suddenly expect somebody to be this huge success uh, and we celebrate people who are uh, you know outcome uh, based out- outcome based and yeah. and you know and, and you see it in 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 our sporting uh documentaries and 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 the musicians that that we make movies about right the the obsession is about how incredibly focused they were on on their goal yeah. uh, and they and on themselves achieving it uh and then now there's this thing that okay now that they've arrived they should give it all away which uh, mm. maybe maybe not the easiest thing to do uh because yeah, you, it's you also contradict contradictory to the message and the narrative that they've been conditioned to yeah. right yeah. when you tell someone that um, or or, in the, or to add to the same thing uh, varun is that if someone is really good and they become a result of their hard work and their single minded focus on themselves to become yeah. the most amazing actor athlete or celebrity let's call it yeah. a celebrity yeah. and then telling them to preach to the public saying no 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 these values are not important give give back and people are like bugger that dude i want that success that you've told yeah. me is so cool yeah. you know so yeah. it's a very difficult space to be in yeah. where yeah. you tell people who are like fans yeah. of these famous actors in whatever language or these celebrities yeah. and they are like no no i'm telling you the planet globe they're like i'm confused yeah. <laughs> what is the message you're telling me you know yeah 
Yeah, it's like it's like the Jim Carrey line, right? He well at the, at the commencement speech, I forget which you know. I think it was Maharishi University, where huh. he said, I, "I hope that you get all the fame and wealth and everything that you truly desire, uh, so that you know that it all really wasn't worth it." Yeah. Right. Which, uh, of course, but, I can but, say, like, but Jim again, you're it, saying it because you, you had 50 years yeah, of it. Right? And, and yeah. Exactly, right? So it, it, it comes from there, right? Even mm. when you try to spread the message, uh, it it can't be well taken because mm. because that person had enjoyed it for that long. Um, exactly. It's it's um, So I think what you are doing now, that's the reason I bring it up is, uh, and, 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 and of course, we'll get back to everything we're speaking about, is because you kind of have, you highlight this idea, which I'm really fascinated by, is... You you know it's always easy to hear a story of passion and success when there's not much to lose. And you said you had a safety net of getting a job, but you never took that safety net, right? I think in the mindset having it, but this thing of once you reach your pinnacle of success, then you're like, you know what? I'll either drop it all and give back, or um, or an actor spirals, a celebrity spirals so much out of control they go to rehab and they come back like a born again soul who wants to do something good. But there is. What I like about the idea you're talking about and what you're doing is that you don't have to go to that extreme of success or you've gone so far beyond that you need to have a born again moment or a near death experience to kind of have this new thing. But you've, there is a middle ground which you can sort of live a family life. You you can have a safety net, you need that. But you can also start doing when it's not too late, right? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think uh, all of the things that you said are in some degree possible for everybody right mm. I, I had the i had the luxury of trying to do this early on so uh, i've been able to pursue that path i think it, it may not be easy uh, depending on what people's commitments are to to completely give that up because you yeah. know the, but but i think in some degree and I, and I know that a lot of people do now do this in in, in a hobbyist uh, approach right there are yeah. a lot of people who who are weekend farmers who are uh, avid uh, birders and trekkers and you know they contribute to uh to all sorts of relief and causes um yeah yeah so um that's I'm an amazing sure thing I, to yeah. hear i mean I, I it wasn't really a question i just wanted to sort of yeah. kind of understand the idea that you don't have to be overwhelmed by people telling you you have to be someone right you can find your own space and i think what, what you just said is really important is you have to find your motivating factor. The why is more important than the how sometimes. And getting from there to now, what sort of took you into this space? Because it wasn't your dad's farm, which was easy to sort of use because it's in, it's it's a safe place, but you went beyond that. So can you maybe take me through where that entire thing started? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think, uh, so when I, when I decided I wasn't going to be pursuing a, an active career in, uh, as a chartered accountant in the corporate world. Uh, it, and my fa father already had uh, this large space of land, which was about 150 acres at, at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, it seemed uh, you know, appropriate that I, I could try to, uh, to work towards making something that would be alleviating the climate uh, climate change situation. You know? yeah. uh, I think at that time we called it global warming. Uh, now we call it the climate crisis. Yeah, uh, it's, it's surprising how much things have changed in just uh, 10, 12 years, right? Yeah, uh, because it's almost reached like a uh, hysterical pitch sometimes in just 10 years time. Yeah, uh, but but the idea was, you know, uh, to, to be able to do something that would be useful and helpful. Mm -hmm. uh, and I needed the venture to, to be able to be uh, 
revenue generating uh, and mm-hmm. organic farming seemed uh, a logical step in that direction uh, so i didn't have the background but you know fortunately i had a few of my father's friends who were already on that path my father himself had been pursuing it without calling it that uh, for several years uh, yeah. and and the internet was you know a great source of information so you know with 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 all of that you know i i, I moved to this farm in tamil nadu and i would stay there five days come back to the city for two days yeah. and began organic farming crop rotation mm-hmm. uh, you know multi cropping uh, y- using organic uh, uh, fertilizers uh, you know using green manure uh between crop cycles things like that you know so trying right. to use whatever I, i had learned uh into that system it was challenging because uh traditional farmers have forgotten uh the approach now you know and mm-hmm. i when since the 1960s when the green revolution uh came about they've they've now become conditioned to to think that if you don't use chemical pesticides and fertilizers mm-hmm. uh crops won't grow Yeah. Uh, and and it has become to some extent a self fulfilling prophecy because they've they've destroyed the natural system so far that that the plants don't have uh, sufficient microorganisms to help channel nutrition back and forth through the soil to them so you need to mm. uh, but, and so organic farming especially in barren and dead places is is a challenge you know it it does it's almost like what we've seasons. done to the human body with antibiotics right we're so Absolutely. screwed because of taking too much yeah, yeah. Yeah yeah it's the same with gut my uh, gut gut uh, uh, microbiome right yeah. yeah if you if you run it beyond a point it takes a lot of effort to then rejuvenate yeah. it uh, and, and and to some extent some of those uh, microbes don't even grow back uh, if if they're completely eliminated so uh, and, and it's the same with uh, to some extent with organic farming as well right it takes mm-hmm. a long time uh, of, to rejuvenate the soil you know so mm-hmm. but you but but you need to to you need to be able to to work it and be patient which mm. uh which i completely understand that uh the the typical farmer will not have you know they they yeah. they're dependent on uh, uh crop to crop so to expect them to yeah. to then wait out a few and there's not much margin for them right a failed yeah. crop is basically yeah. no food or starvation yeah. it's not yeah. it's not yeah. like they have the like a cushion to fall back on yeah 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 uh so in 2010 you know organic farming wasn't really popular in india you know it was just catching on and organic food uh, was uh, almost uh, unheard of you know there were mm. it was it was there were a few pockets of people that were aware of what organic food meant you know that yeah. it was chemical free pesticide free etc mm. uh, but but the challenge was one there was no market for it you know stores weren't retailing it and two you expected people to pay more for a product that looked uglier yeah right? yeah yeah uh, <laughs> you, you had your blemishes had, and yeah yeah more blemishes your smaller tomatoes uh, that that you know were, were funnily shaped mm. uh so so it's it's challenging because people have gotten into uh you know it's just it's just natural where uh you know the mind appreciates things that are proportionate and look yeah. better right yeah. and uh, and you are asking people to go against that so it's only now that you know so much of education has built up that organic food has become almost mainstream Mm. uh but back then it was it was you know it was a real hard sell um so we continued to do it because it was the right thing to do and invariably we would end up selling a lot of it wholesale because uh, the city uh the city couldn't uh, support it or people didn't really want to pay a premium for things that were harder to produce yeah uh but but that was you know perhaps maybe maybe 5 6 years too early for uh, for for what people were aware of at that time no, but it right. was it was very fulfilling though 
know, because mm. you uh, spending time out in nature, uh, you know, uh, learning about all of these ancient practices uh, mm. that had worked for for hundreds of years uh, before we decided to uh, you know ruin it with chemicals. Understanding how to rejuvenate soils, you know. So mm. uh, so for me, it was uh, it was very refreshing. Uh, and it was obvious that I had chosen the right path because I was, I was very interested in consuming more and more information about this and trying to apply it. Mm. Uh, you know, and just while you're on this, um, there is definitely a lot I don't personally, but maybe a lot of people listening as well, uh, don't understand about the value and the sort of connection and the depth, and most importantly, the the finite um i wouldn't say finite but the the importance i think of um restoring this particular thing which is soil and how important it is and how little we understand and how much damage yeah. we've already done to it so maybe yeah. can you just explain the concept because of course we yeah. know soil as mud yeah. or we might know yeah. it as yeah. whatever it may be but yeah. maybe just explain yeah. the vast Sure. Sort of understanding of, that you know uh, as a result of what you've studied, but maybe just the layers or the 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 the. the, the I mean, it's maybe just the, it's it's beyond it's one word. How much there is to soil? And maybe just talk sure. about that. Sure. I I think the 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 fundamental thing that people have to understand is soil is not an inert medium. Mm. Right? Soil is alive. Uh, we look at it and we think we think it's dead. Yeah. Uh, that's 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 the biggest. I hope now uh, that people need to uh, come to terms with, right? It's yeah. of, of course it's media, but there's billions and billions of uh, microorganisms just in a handful of soil, and mm. and those are the things that allow this planet to survive essentially. I mean, we're all from it, right? Technically, yeah, we're all yeah, we're all from it, right? That's it's the source of everything. I mean, when life began with from tiny microorganisms uh, from from volcanic eruptions and clay it, it all began from that one source right so mm. uh, uh, and the the thing that to to realize is that it's it, it takes a you know it takes a long time to to develop the humus content of the soil right it takes mm. decades and uh, how does that and, happen that, does it happen through just natural uh, like cycles that kind of have happen over the millions and billions of years on this planet or is there certain uh, environmental influences that make it better or worse what what so what are the things uh, involved there so so the fungal network essentially the the mycorrhizal network right which mm. is uh, mycelium network uh, is what pretty much is the interface between uh, life and death right so when okay, things okay. die uh, fungi then break them down uh, and release those nutrients into the soil that that allow various other microorganisms to flourish and then you know the carbon cycle in the wood is broken down and and all of these various factors come into play and it takes you know several decades to build those layers of soil mm. you know? so so for it to be conducive you need to have uh, over a period of time uh, uh, a macro environment that supports that breakdown you know, mm. like the as you move to more and more hostile conditions, uh, you aren't allowing uh, uh, the ability for this fungi to exist, and as a function of that, you you you've defeated the ability of this cycle to continue the way it has for the last several billion years. 
right so mm-hmm. so so in a forest ecosystem where there is the overarching framework of of a forest uh, and biodiversity uh, these fungi flourish you know right. and there's an exchange of nutrition between various trees between soil and tree and that's why when something breaks down in a forest and a tree keels over and falls it it's able to disintegrate and and go back and become soil which then provides this fertile medium for for other things to grow out of it uh, whereas uh, what you see now with you know desertification uh, is that you you've created such a hostile host that even mm-hmm. the fungi can't uh, really grow in it and you know that's that's basically uh the crux of it you know you, this is taking yeah, billions like you of all the trees and the trees are not going back into the soil yeah. but they're going for your furniture uh yeah. it's the, the the delay in return of input to the soil is a lot yeah. more and in many cases the, what goes back finally in is not even a version of something the soil can use right because it's so uh, polluted with additives and chemicals and the natural form is completely uh, the essence of what is required is not even there in that particular yeah. um object or whatever it may be Yeah, you need to feed the soil. Right? Yeah. I mean, you, you need to constantly keep nourishing it for it to be able to constantly keep providing. Uh, so, if that's the case, now we live in a world where the practices, as you said, the traditional or the ancient practices, are almost wiped out. I don't paint that bleak picture and say it's completely gone, but it's more the norm to use uh, genetic mod- genetically modified seeds, to use fertilizers as a default practice, right? So, how does someone like you look at this? this land maybe talk about that specific thing which was completely stripped away by chemical fertilizers which left the soil for all practical purposes dead and how do you yeah. um, how, how do you convince yourself and convince other people to come on board and not just make it a hobby or a romantic practice but make this something which can um, flourish and as a result be an example for the next piece of land right so what is the yeah. framework within which you worked on this uh So so uh, you know as I continue to organic farm my interest moved away from organic farming uh, into to to being able to 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 do and create things on a on a larger scale and to have uh, more of an impact you know because mm. I realized with organic farming one is I would be restricted to that same piece of land mm. uh, and and two uh, because of crop cycles and crop rotation and you end up harvesting things season after season yeah. uh, so there's only so much you can do when it comes to sequestering carbon right uh, mm. the, the gauge of uh, how much carbon is sequestered uh, to some sense is uh, is uh, the is the girth and size of a tree's trunk mm. right all wood is essentially just carbon that has been solidified and captured by the tree so the uh, wider the the, the yeah. circumference the yeah. more carbon it's okay yeah yeah in addition of course uh, a lot of ch- carbon just gets channeled back into the ground but mm-hmm. you know that's invisible so the tangible aspect what we can see is you know the tree and how much how large it's grown so yeah. so so the interest then moved to creating permanent ecosystems uh, that you didn't have to harvest and that would su- sustain well beyond our lifetime mm-hmm. uh and essentially i uh, at that point I, i realized that humanity would would not suffer from a lack of food you know mm. we would we would suffer, suffer from a hostile environment you know yeah. there's there is already enough food uh you know a lot of it gets wasted and not transported to the right people mm. uh, that that's the challenge you know? yeah yeah food it's distribution is the problem yeah, food distribution food yeah. yeah so so then the, the then the interest moved to okay how, how do we create ecosystems that can thrive uh, uh and and replicate that yeah uh, and that's how we you know we we 
uh, identified this this space. Uh, it was a barren piece of land. This is in Shulagiri uh, in okay. Tamil Nadu. Right. Uh, and uh, I think uh, to a large extent, of course, you 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 do realize that you know even deserts can be rejuvenated. It's everything is just a question of effort, right? So right. even with this barren land, of, you know there are, there was the understanding that it could be rejuvenated. But you always operate from a from a perspective of hope and faith in in many of these right because you've not done right. it before at least for me so this sorry, was just the just first paint time. A, just paint a picture for for me when you see barren land now is it something yeah. which was strip mined because we hear of these miners uh of uh, going indiscriminate sort of digging and mining for ores and for minerals yeah. so was this that kind of scenario or was it something which was just so devastated by um whatever corporate farming or whatever the the practice is yeah uh, uh, so can you just paint a picture of what yeah. you were so, faced with so, so so this was a space that had uh, lost all nutrition from the soil okay. it, you know i think uh, several years of uh, chemical intensive farming had left the soil dead mm. for all practical purposes you know so uh, on about 100 acres of land there must have been maybe i would say 30 trees or 40 trees Oof, uh, hardly crazy. anything yeah and yeah. and that's and that's also that's actually the 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 situation in many parts of rural india mm-hmm. uh, because they don't they don't understand the value of the tree because the tree in many cases the larger the tree the, the more shade uh, on the soil and when land holdings are very small they can't afford the tree to to then be shading a large amount of their land you know, so so then they they cut the tree down and they harvest it so that they get a little bit more space to grow a seasonal crop. You know, so it's uh, it's unfortunate. Yeah. I it mean, it's comes... almost like if you want to draw a parallel, like an analogy, it's like you know people like uh, developing their beachfront uh, coastline uh, because they want tourists to come, but then it gets so full of development that the the, the entire view which got them that tourist is gone. So it's like the, the waters are dirty, the beaches are polluted. So it's, it's the same kind of thing. What do you tell a person who owns like um, a little plot of land on the beach, which has a view, tell them, no, 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 keep this pristine. Um, and he's like, why should I? Because they're not getting me any money, right? It's it's kind of that uh, that mindset. How do you tell someone not to do something when the only way they they can sustain their livelihood is by doing it, right? Yeah, and and it's, it's much harder to explain to somebody who hasn't uh, been educated and explain yeah. to them that the, the tree, uh, you know, provides uh, uh, a beneficial climate to so many birds mm. and bees and pollinators, and that uh, it facilitates uh, microorganisms which are microscopic to grow. These people can't see anything that you're talking about, right? They can't. Right. So it's harder for them to even believe it, and it's harder for them to believe it when it comes from somebody from the city who doesn't look like them or sound like them and is just preaching to them. Uh, so, mm, so there are so many cha- there's so many challenges with uh, with you know trying to oftentimes convince folks. But I, but that said, I think a lot of NGOs have done a very good job of trying to gradually help many of these farmers. Uh, you know, uh, go chemical free, etc. Mm. Um, so that's good so to they, hear because these people are so. I mean, they're they don't want to harm the planet. I don't think anyone in that group wants to. But it's so sad that they just get brainwashed saying no your land means nothing and it's usually you know, maybe the politician but the middlemen right who buy the grain who buy the crop this kind of manipulate their entire belief system yeah. saying that you aren't worth anything so if that's the premise from which they approach farming then it's a terrible um blow to their the, the way they look at their land the way they look at their livelihood right yeah and also it's a system right Sub- mm-hmm. uh, fertilizers are, su- are so fast subsidized that it's very cheap to add uh, chemical fertilizers you know mm. there's they're also rationed out so it's just it's just been made so easy and convenient 
right and, and everyone else around you is doing it so it just becomes the the way to do it becomes the way to do things it's um, terrible yeah yeah so so this this land was also similar in many ways there was mm-hmm. there's not much vegetation uh and we decided to uh you know, we decided to plant trees and grow a forest there you know that was essentially mm-hmm. the dream uh to recreate a forest ecosystem mm-hmm. so we began with uh, this species selection and for that we looked at the local topography to to see the kind of trees that were thriving and had thrived in that environment mm. you know um uh and we arrived at about 250 species uh that that were in that uh zone uh in you know in at varying periods of time you don't see them as commonly but but many of them can thrive in that space and They've all native species past, right, yeah right 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 at some stage right. of the cycle right yeah uh so we we began with that you know we we ensured that we had a sufficiently high density because uh, early on you you need to to create that kind of density uh because when climates are harsh uh and when you have winds uh it's very easy for for uh, young saplings to get blown away or to keel over and you know so you need you need the density of of a large plantation in the earlier years to to help prop up mm. the space eventually uh, natural succession will ensure that the ones that have mm. to thrive and survive will survive and it right. and the plantations thin out mm. uh and so, so how much would something do... like this cost to because a high density also means more plants more saplings yeah. and more seeds so yeah. this would also mean a more capital right yeah yeah okay. certainly certainly i mean it you know you i can't really put a number to it but uh over uh, over a large area I'm just give percentages because but, I'm just trying to draw a picture for people who are trying to understand I'm, okay yeah, yeah but I'm thinking if if you had to if you had to plant one just one sapling you mm-hmm. know in it it would perhaps initially cost you uh, you know give or take about a anywhere from about 75 to 100 rupees if you wanted to do it well right you know because okay. in in, la- in large parts it's is the cost of the the sapling uh, you want to ensure that you you add enough nutrition in the pit uh mm-hmm. because because the soil is so barren so that becomes a right. combination of manure uh which, which which nourishes it you add uh, perhaps rice husk which provides perforation and aeration uh and also breaks down into providing silicon and you add uh, uh, a cocoa peat which which can absorb moisture and release it slowly to the plant right and then once you plant it you also stake the plant because uh, mm. uh, it it needs to anchor to something yeah um uh, so so uh and of course there's the cost of the transport the labor etc so so give or take if if you do this well uh maybe about 100 rupees per sapling yeah because i also just on that while you mentioned that process when you hear of you know a government say may cutting down 10000 trees for a road to be built or a certain yeah. access point to be thing and then the moment people say protest that idea and then they're like no no but we are planting 100000 trees to compensate for this how much yeah. of that actually works out because you're saying on your 100 acre plot of land there's yeah. the high density because the yield might be low because of various um situations which might be uh, hostile to the plant or just the success rate is low because of um natural selection or natural succession how much when people say that we are planting 2 billion trees is a reality of actually compensating for the stuff which has already been cut i don't know if that's a topic you've studied but just maybe you can shine some light on that uh it's 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 unrealistic you know mm. to think that you could cut down these trees which which are uh, at that moment 
sequestering that that much of carbon providing that much of oxygen and then say that you're going to plant uh, 10 times that uh, because these trees have taken 50 80 100 years to to arrive at that space right mm. uh, even if you plant these uh, 10 20 30 times the number of trees it's it's going to take several years to catch up uh, to that same situation where they are able to to sequester that much of carbon right because right. it's 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 almost compounding the older the tree gets the more it's able to sequester the more it's able to uh, produce oxygen right so mm. you're not going to you're not going and and especially in today's time where we're already fighting an uphill battle saying statistics like if we don't do this in the next 10 years you're going to reach an inflection point right yeah, so yeah. so these trees are not going to be at that point in 10 years right? it's going mm. to take much longer for them to be able to provide the same benefit uh, so i don't think i don't think there is a rationale it, you know they i think they have to try and compensate for it but i don't think i don't think what what they're trying to to do is really actually been having any immediate benefit right you, just it sounds a lot cool uh, it sounds a lot more impactful than it really is right because when someone says yeah. a million trees yeah. it's just like oh you expect a forest yeah. with million yeah. fully grown adult yeah. uh, bark big bark trees but in reality it's just like a nursery yeah. with saplings which and uh, and yeah, yeah and then we oftentimes don't know how 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 well they've taken yeah yeah because you 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 can't really uh, nurture and manage a million trees that yeah. the government isn't doing that they they're going out there and planting it in forests uh, you don't know uh, what species they're selecting right, right. Uh, are, are, is it a diverse uh, ecosystem uh, with hundreds of trees is it a monoculture uh, of mm. just teak trees or silver oak trees which which then makes it even more uh, exciting to cut in a few years and oftentimes the uh, the incentive systems are flawed because uh, in most countries uh forest departments are are uh, evaluated on on the success of number of trees they planted and how many survived right. uh which which then uh which then leads them to plant trees which have low uh death rates and right. and, and high survival rates right so so and oftentimes those trees are weed species like eucalyptus and all those right yeah which of mm. course now now gradually less and less uh, that's planted but still yeah. things like that you know yeah. which are alien uh, which don't have uh, 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 you know a natural system to be checked and and which eventually become more trouble than good like grass like people putting lawns to say oh we put greenery yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah right yeah. no so so that so it's it's so you know so so just making that statement saying we're going to plant 10 million trees or something it doesn't mm. help because you don't know what they are planting where they are planting how many of them survived and if they survived were they causing more harm than good uh, yeah now what's very funny is like uh, now people just say like token wise right just give plant like there was a wedding down the road and there's you know the palace the grounds had a huge wedding one of these some big person i don't know it was and there were about 10000 12000 people who attended this wedding and everyone was given a potted plant and the to- the the gesture is oh we're doing something good for the environment <laughs> literally you get out of that hall all the pots were just dumped there because people want sweets man why the fuck would they want a pot right <laughs> it was just so it was so dis- sad to see these plants yeah. just thrown into this yeah. big pile so i'm yeah. just like giving an example of people thinking it's a good intention but you don't have to do that right you don't have to think so anyway i sorry i took away from what you were talking about the process that you st- started the land yeah, um, yeah. sort of revitalization yeah. with yeah. so maybe yeah. we can get so, back yeah. to that yeah yeah so so what 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 you essentially did for the first uh uh two years and, and now 
we continue to do it, but it requires less effort now, yeah. is to just nurture the plant basin, right? Because mm-hmm. when you have a hundred acres, you can't go about trying to, uh, you can't, you can't attend to every square foot of that hundred acres, right? Yeah, yeah. If you if you have a sapling, uh, which is in a in one space, you can only try to nourish that sapling. So yeah. we had a very elaborate and extensive drip irrigation network so that mm-hmm. we could conserve water and supply water uh, regularly to these plants. And uh, we had a lot of remediation in terms of uh, adding uh, a lot of enzymes and microbes that would help nourish that particular plant basin, you know. So in addition to that, we mulched the soil. The mm-hmm. mulching is basically, you know, covering the soil surface. I used to do uh, that in college when I used to work in maintenance. Okay, nice. Mulch the trees. It was quite fun. Anyway, no, I yeah. want to ask you while you talk yeah. about mulching, sorry, yeah. not to yeah. interrupt, but yeah. uh, so if, say if you have 100 acres of farmland. Yeah. Now, if you put, you said you can't cover everything physically, right? It's a little uh, intensive. But say you have um, 100 by, say you have one acre, which is accessible and easily um, sort of, you can ply with various nutrients. Does the soil network pick up on that and will it spread underground to the rest of the 100 acres? Or does every part of the 100 acres need to get that intensity of nutrients? It certainly will spread, but it, mm. it's it, it it's a trickle effect, right? Okay. 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 I mean, it, it'll take longer and longer for for the good from that to keep spreading outwards. Mm. Uh, you know. But it does so, spread. This, there, there is a way yeah, of spreading. Yes, okay. Certainly. Okay. So, and because it's 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 what we don't understand is there's an elaborate fungal network under the soil which is constantly mm. spreading, right? Which is right. Uh, uh, you know kilometers and kilometers. I mean, the, the, there's a whole notion more recently uh, called the wood wide web you know like <laughs> www right, right. which is which is the entire fungal network uh, which covers the entire planet uh, mm. and these are mycelium networks that are helping trees communicate with each other uh, when there's a when there are pest attacks uh, there are trees that are exchanging nutrition through these fungal networks you know so mm. so this is actually a, this is actually a fundamental structure that allows the ecosystem to thrive yeah uh, and these these are these are perhaps some of the oldest living life forms that we we are aware of. You know, they're about and they two, span three. oceans as well, right? They can communicate across under water because they're of course we think that once the soil ends, it's the beach, it's the ocean, it's the end. No, but yeah. they have why it, it might not. There are underground plants, underground ecosystems yeah. of uh, things that yeah. we don't even know um, sometimes yeah. because the species that we haven't even ex- uh, discovered. So these things yeah. aren't isolated just to a landmass. They go through underwater systems, underground, under oceans to communicate across continents and things, right? So it's quite a vast thing which we are so oblivious of for many yeah. of us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this this is, it's, it's the fundamental structure of, of this planet, right? The mycelium network. Uh, okay. It, it, it really allows life to, to function the way it does because if you didn't have that and you didn't have uh, uh, dead matter decomposing into, uh, back into earth and then yeah. the, the cycle, you know, you, you you would just have carcasses lying around and you would have no way of that rejuvenating the system again right so mm. fungal networks are what really allow life to flourish uh so 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 to your question of if if you had one acre which was thriving would would that benefit move it certainly would mm. it's just a it's just amount of uh, time that it would take you know so mm. so you could so so you're best placed addressing a, as large an area as you can as best as you can got it uh, uh, so, so our effort was was you know directed uh, plant by plant in every plant basin, uh, and and the idea was to initially it was just this plain black and white idea of okay let's 
let us plant trees uh, and help alleviate uh, the climate change solution, etc. Uh, but you know, but but as as the journey progresses, you you realize there's just so much beauty to this whole process. Like you fall mm. in love with uh, you fall in love with ecological restoration because you see all of life then step into that space you know mm. uh, which which begins with these small tiny uh, insects and worms uh, mm. and then gradually you have the small birds that come to eat those and then then you have larger birds of prey uh, and you have snakes and mongoose and wild peacocks uh, mm. and hare and you know and, and it's very fulfilling because you uh, you're able to see the space be able to support larger and larger life and and it's even like planning the a party for not, two people uh, but the next thing you know like 30 people start joining it. it's like yeah <laughs> it's quite cool yeah yeah uh it yeah it it is it is it's beautiful to see uh how how nature you know can really uh, rejuvenate and and i think the 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 important thing is i mean for for me it's been that you 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 realize that that you don't know and mm. and your only role becomes to allow the space to thrive by by adding as much uh nutrition that you can to it right because it will it will evolve in in a completely random pattern you know mm. uh as as all life has right you you so there's the understanding is that you continue to be shepherds of the space uh mm. where uh you know you don't try to you don't try to tinker too much with the yeah. process that's going on but and just you can't only manipulate so much. that can you i mean after a point you can't manipulate this kind of environmental growth because it's so ancient and when you try to impose a linear way of growth it just yeah. sort of messes things up right yeah yeah certainly but i think the thing is when with so much of science and and information available you know we often think that we know best uh, <laughs> but sometimes it's 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 better to allow nature to take its own course yeah uh, you know and and uh, the 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 idea was to 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 be able to allow this space to flourish and build a community around it mm. uh, you know and uh, so that more people could live in this natural space mm. uh, and we we could then serve as an example for for several others and then continue to to this process of afforestation uh elsewhere and and for me because i spent so much time away from the cities uh over the last decade you know the the idea of being in 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 closer uh uh in sort of in nature was was very key you know and and Maybe that's, that's how... why you started running <laughs> you were running away from <laughs> <laughs> it was a subconscious reaction varun <laughs> that you needed to run away from the city <laughs> now that's beautiful man i mean it's quite remarkable yeah. because from that barren land now of course you have a thriving ecosystem uh, of course it's a multi individual effort which has resulted in this 100 yeah. acres being born yeah. again and thriving yeah. to a large extent with the multi species um so maybe you know of course you uh, i think talking about it of course is very important but also I I'd like people especially if they're in Bangalore to come and see it and maybe if they could join you and maybe you can talk about how they can maybe start their own thing maybe if they want to be a part of your initiative also talk just talk us through that and yeah um, sure yeah and maybe how more of these examples can help a city like Bangalore which is a population of almost 18 million people um and how uh, these kind of initiatives by individuals by small groups of people can give some semblance of hope and maintain some semblance of what we have as opposed to completely going to the extreme of wiping it all out and then starting from scratch yeah thank you i mean i'd be happy to so the way we've approached it is is a community approach so mm-hmm. uh, uh the space is called vanantara 
which is a combination of two words, Vana and Antara, and mm. it means ins- inside the forest. Because okay. uh, I felt it was important to be able to create this experience of wild nature. Mm. Uh, because oftentimes, even even when we think we are going to into green spaces, they are highly manicured. Yeah. Whereas we wanted this space to be raw in many ways. I think. Uh, uh, perhaps a little esoteric, but I find that the 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 energies of these uh, untouched wild spaces is, uh, are always in balance, and, yeah. and that has an incredible way of affecting us as well, right? We are all mm-hmm. just uh, we're we're all just matter and energy vibrating at a certain frequency. Mm-hmm. So being in a space that's balanced has uh, has several beneficial effects on us as well. Yeah, the uh, connection is a lot deeper, right? It's not just the idea of walking in a park because as you said yeah. those are manipulated environments but yeah it must be quite an amazing feeling just to kind of go beyond a man-made notion of what is the connection to the earth right this is yeah. truly you just feel it you can't maybe put a yeah. word to it or a label to it or a yeah. concept i mean it. it's it's uh, i think i i think it's einstein but i'm not sure who said it uh, the, the the quote was the fish will be the last to know the water uh, mm. And and I think we we move through life uh, without realizing that we are connected actually through this medium of of air uh, and through this earth uh, and ignoring the the fact that we're all connected through this space yeah uh, and and that and that every everything and everyone that we're around actually has some sort of an effect on us. It's 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 so impossible to understand that in a day an age where social media is the so-called connection we find between amongst each other, which is the most uh, interesting thing, which alienates us. But this is so good to hear that you know what what happens to. I mean, we think sometimes, oh, the California wildfires, nothing's going to happen to me because I'm sitting in Bangalore. But what you're saying is that there is a message going through the underground network, which might not come immediately like a Skype call or whatever, but there is a message being passed through the entire planet's uh, underground network, which is saying the planet is unhealthy or the planet is going through some change or the planet needs to correct itself in some form, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the whole idea of looking inward and looking outward, right? I mean, when, mm-hmm. you, when you drill down into the at- atomic structure of every person, uh, yeah. it, when you, and when you go outwards into earth and space etc like the whole idea is you know you sometimes there is no differentiation right uh, yeah. and and what affects one part of your body affects all of you and in the same way what affects one part of this planet affects all of it yeah uh, so it, and beyond and beyond so yeah. it's it's quite it's quite obvious that it, everything has an effect and you just choose to ignore it um, yeah i think that's important Steve. we just choose to ignore it <laughs> yeah but um no, so, 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 so yeah, so, yeah. so coming back to, to your uh, question, so the way we've approached it is we've chosen to, to be a community of like-minded folks uh, who've now come together and we continue to afforest this space. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone individually owns uh, their identified space of land, mm-hmm. uh, but we have no boundaries. Uh, okay. All, okay, it's, it's, it's completely open. Uh, we have only natural, natural boundaries that help people identify their space. Uh, and... Uh, the idea is to not only help a forest our space, but to continue to work with with the local bodies to to uh, a forest uh, government lands outside, because oh, governments have the ability to do that. They have, you know, with the Mandrega scheme, they have to provide employment to people. They have forest nurseries that have trees, and they have uh, government lands that are fallow, right? So and you're have- not looking to take 
over this land. You're just looking to rejuvenate it. So their motivation, yeah. like, oh, these guys are not yeah. land sharks. Yeah. These guys I genuinely mean, want to think, which is a can, great. Can uh, we just have a yeah? yeah. Can we just yeah. have a dialogue with them to to help you know, channel that? Mm-hmm. But that that's that's the next step. You know, right mm-hmm. now we still have our hands full uh, trying to ensure that this space serves as a as a model and an example. Which is uh, amazing, yeah. And uh, and. And I think, you know, so if, if anyone is interested, our website is uh, Uh and our Instagram page is uh, Vanantara Forest Farms to, to get a sense of what we're trying to do. Uh, and the ideal is if, if this serves as a model and other people can would like to replicate it, you know, because mm-hmm. then it just allows that ripple effect to continue to grow further and further at, uh, uh, and to a forest larger and larger amounts of land. What's been interesting is as a function of what we're doing, there have been people who already have large spaces of land themselves, you know, mm-hmm. 75 acres, 100 acres, 50 acres, who've, who've asked us if we could help them and, and guide them forest their lands as well, which is, which is also, yeah, which is also a great opportunity because even if they're not keen on uh, setting those up as communities, but just uh, from their own uh, perhaps altruistic perspective of afforesting the land uh, and retaining it for themselves, that that also serves an invaluable service. We have more, then we end up getting more of these little micro habitats amongst yeah. these, um, yeah. whatever, cultivated land masses, yeah. which, as you said, might not be the most effective, but at least it's better than completely barren lands, right? So these yeah, things absolutely. give back in the micro W, W, W. And, w and yeah. what, 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 you know, there's a beautiful uh, quote by, I think it was Masanobu Fukuoka, who said that rain doesn't come from above, rain comes from below. Uh, mm. And what, what he meant was, uh, uh, rain, rain, rain clouds can can only move in about you know give or take 100 or 150 kilometers before there is cloud burst yeah. when they move in from the sea. Right. You need you need ecosystems to then catch that rain, to use that water, to then transpire and push those clouds further in. Right. So it's almost so, like a waste stop mechanism. Uh, like yeah, you keep, yeah. Like, right. Right. So 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 if you if you if you damage, uh, you know, ecosystems in a in a haphazard manner, you you will find that it will be harder and harder to find rain inland as time goes by. You know, right. so so these so so to begin with, coastal forests are critical. You know, uh, mm. critical because that's the first first point where you catch rain and tra- move it inwards. Sort of like fuel stations for the clouds to move along. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Right. And 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 all of these endeavors help that cause because you know even if it's a, po- a small pocket here and a small pocket that it just continues to help move move rain clouds inwards there's something as simple as say someone like i live in a flat in the city and i don't really have a piece of land to grow stuff but is there anything we can do just just sort of like a home grown solution that we can help with because we live in a concrete block but is there something we yeah. can do in our little environment to facilitate this whether it's to contribute to the larger network because it's most often potted plants it's most often these kinds of things so is there any small contribution that can be done by people like me and others so 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 i feel in the cities you know one of the one of the largest things and so global warming is not really a climate change problem right Mm. global warming is a consumption problem right right the reason we have global warming is because people consume too much Mm -hmm. Uh, that's all it is. So if we if we step back and we stop acting like this is this uh, climate change crazy. problem, mm. climate change problem, and this is so larger than me, and you know uh, the planet is heating up, 
and you step back and and realize that it's only because everyone consumes too much and everyone wants that next gadget and gizmo and shirt and trouser and whatnot uh, and and that's the cause of it yeah. that then you you realize that you have the power to do something uh, to fix this yeah. right uh, so essentially if you fix the consumption problem in itself you you're doing uh, much more than perhaps planting a few trees right mm. uh, so you take uh, up less of the resources as yeah, opposed so, to taking more and putting some and, back and mm. and that's why when when you start with those three hours you say reduce reuse recycle right there's a reason yeah. why you say reduce first yeah uh, so so that's one i think that i think more than people uh planting a few potted plants uh you know and 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 which is which is of course good right but if if the of perspective course. is the perspective is what is the maximum amount that i can do uh as an individual yeah. uh, and again not from a sense of sacrifice right because that yeah. that that's a that's not a great place to operate from but if if the purpose is what can i do then first step is okay how how do you reduce your consumption without affecting your lifestyle and feeling bitter about it mm. uh two is i think there's there's So more recently, over the last two and a half years, uh, you know, we, we've also been planting Miyawaki forests in the city, and okay. we've planted three of them. Uh, and what is exactly? Forest. Can you? I, I I'm not aware so, of that. So so Miyawaki forest is a high density uh, forest. You know, you plant okay. trees very close to each other, uh, about two and a half three feet apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you replicate the biodiversity of a typical forest, and that's mm-hmm. how you ensure that the ecosystem is to some in extent. What sort of space are you looking balanced. at here? Like? So so typically. uh we've done this in large gated communities right so oh, okay nice so we've done it at three three projects uh mm-hmm. one is at uh, brigade tech gardens uh the one is brigade utopia and brigade eldorado you know they've right. been open to the idea of considering this to a, as an alternative to conventional landscape mm-hmm. uh the the reason this this i'm you know very upbeat about this in urban situations is because these are again sustainable uh ecosystems yeah over yeah. a period of time you don't what happens is these you plant it as a tree based ecosystem yeah. you plant it very close by of course you the competition for light and nutrition helps spur these trees to grow taller faster mm. uh and uh and they grow very thick you know because when you plant things about 2 and 1/2 3 feet apart uh they become very dense thickets so they mm. also facilitate uh, habitat for a lot of small life that's been displaced in the city right which of course would have existed because yeah. uh, now of the concreting of these things yeah. they can't yeah. nice so that's uh, i mean that's and, and such a nice a, thing to have within yeah. your yeah. complex of and it's a, yeah. and it's an alternative to to lawn and small shrubs which though you know sometimes people have gotten used to how aesthetic they are uh, are continue to be drains on water and re- mm-hmm. regularly require a lot of pesticides etc right uh, and and i think it's it's fundamental to 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 understand and appreciate that you have to be able to produce oxygen uh in the place that you live in right now you find yourself living in a city like bangalore where you get your water from kaveri which is very far away uh you you get clean air and oxygen from the outskirts of the city from remaining pockets of green uh you know it's a it's a it's a very bizarre way to 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 live so at least if you create these ecosystems uh at home and these can be done even in 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 backyards uh you know uh of people's houses uh you're at least creating some kind of an impact mm, good to know good to know that it's doable even 
in an apartment in a concrete sort of jungle yeah. so that's really no i'm i'm telling you man it's it i never dreamed of this situation i don't think anyone wanted to dream of it even but i'm so glad that you know people like you and groups like vanantara are doing this so i think i'll definitely drop the links sure. to your website and the page uh, your social media page but i mean i think thank you thanks for sharing what you've done and thanks for getting on oh, this oh. episode with me and thank i think you, on behalf of everyone listening as well i think um, hats off to your efforts thanks lord it's been you know thanks for uh, throwing some light on what we're doing and it's My pleasure. always a pleasure speaking to you for sure man i mean it's great i think we um it's long overdue that uh, we've been chatting but i think i wanted to cover this work you're doing on the podcast so thanks for taking the time and um good luck running <laughs> running like forest camp I'm, i'm sure you it's it's a fun activity and you know love to your family and uh, yeah we'll catch up soon yeah on 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 that note uh, uh part of our reforestation efforts also uh are called run forest run uh, <laughs> strong nice i like it yeah. i like it a lot good stuff congratulations bro thank you thank and you. Uh, you, good Sophie. luck with everything in the future thanks a lot thank you Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you like what you heard, please do check out the other episodes on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. And I would much appreciate it if you could like the video, share it with people who you think might enjoy it, and of course, do subscribe to the channel because it will help me and the podcast grow and reach more people just like you. So thanks again. Appreciate it.